Hi, everybody. It's the A to Z podcast. Take like 11. I'm Akron Jackson. He's <laughs> Dre Knott. Uh, shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, American Fireworks, and to Cleveland Whiskey for helping to make this happen. Uh, to you guys for listening and for helping it grow. So um, we tried, what, three times last night, Dre? Three so, times. Yeah. So apologies, uh, but it is the bye week. And what's happened is um, there's something in my neighborhood or near my neighborhood that's attracting squirrels to the main internet uh-huh. box that controls the at internet. Yeah, for like five neighborhoods. And these squirrels are dabbling in whatever it is that's attracting them there, and they're meeting their death, but not until they either are chewing up some wires or dead ones are landing on the wires. And we're having these outages, and frankly, I don't have anything else to do, so if I don't have internet, I'm not shit. Welcome to the show, Andre. <laughs> well, uh, we got to talk to AT&T about these. Ch- like, squirrels got to be smarter than that, right? They got to see a couple of them go to the demise and go, I ain't going up that tree no more. Um, I think it's AT&T playing the game. And uh, AT&T, if you would like to sponsor the A2Z podcast, this would be a good time before I annihilate you for the next four weeks. Uh, and I've been known to do that in other places. Uh, I just think it's their, their way of making you pay more for internet in two months, but that's just the conspiracy theorist for me. Yeah, it's almost like I have to write another book to afford it in the first place, right? So uh... right, right. <laughs> Hell of a week for you. You've gone from uh, gone from being in Danos, what everybody thought was a basement. What people don't realize is that you had the book signing there. That's the best Danos has ever looked in its entire history. Yes, it's not even close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so for those of the outside that looked at the pictures and were like, it looks like a basement. No, that looks like an upgrade for people that live around Portage Lakes. <laughs> that is a true story. Uh, you went from that, you went from covering Josh Cribbs' career to getting covered by Josh Cribbs as he went on the uh, Cribbs in Cleveland show with him and Maria, his wife. They have their show on Channel 19 every morning at 9 a.m. Uh, I think it runs back at 7 o'clock uh, on that channel that they pay Anthony Lima on. Uh, so congrats and congrats on that. Uh, you actually woke up and didn't have sweatpants on on TV. That was a pretty cool statement for you. <laughs> it's progress. Hey, I got to say this. Um, you know better than anybody that live TV is not easy. And it's not for everybody either because that light comes on and, and it's looking at you and you're looking at it. But Josh Cribbs was made for live TV because he don't hesitate. He just goes. <laughs> and so uh, it was really cool of him to have me. But I didn't know the show was live. I thought they taped it every morning and it aired a little later. I mean, obviously, my weekday right. mornings in football season, I'm, I'm busy, right? So right. Um, I got in there. I was really impressed and then uh, appreciative to him and to all the podcasts and radio and all the stuff that I've done, um, you know, just trying to pub the book. I heard it sold out at Cleveland Airport. Uh, it was really cool to get wow. some pictures of it being, you know, in Barnes & Noble and drugstores or other places where people are seeing it. And so uh, buy the damn thing if you haven't. Hey, by the way, you had a nice post on Instagram a couple days ago about uh, it being up high in certain stores and for the vertically challenged. And the CFO tried to make a nice little uh, hit and say that for me. And since he wanted to be a smart ass and he wanted to put it on wax, I'm going to put his ass on wax. My wife's company uh, I, <laughs> is coming up with their fifth annual uh, Rex to Connect Foundation celebrity bartender event. And the CFO's uh, father's company, his company, uh, he was born into, has been a great sponsor of the event over the past couple of years. But the CFO and all of his white belt wearing, gel putting in his herring, and probably walking around thinking he's a golfer that's 20 years younger than him, can't respond to emails. So if he wants to continue being the smart ass on talking about vertically challenged, 
I'm going to talk about some of the things he's challenged at on this podcast because I know that he will say something when he hears him getting his ass drug on this podcast. So I told my wife not to email you anymore. You can just say yes or no, but we'll just drag you on this on this podcast for the next two, three weeks until you tell my wife yes or no, you're going to be a sponsor or you're not going to be a sponsor. It's cool. Or you're going to give tickets. Just answer the fucking question, CFO. That's all we need to know. Any more vertically challenged questions or jokes you got, you know how to find me, baby. And thanks for that, that HBO code because I still ain't paying for that. I've been watching that Arizona State show. Uh, CFO, I love you. Don't mess with me, fool. I get the microphone in my hand. You are a special <laughs> kind of wound up today. That is for sure. I Probably because we've tried to do this podcast three times and some of my funniest shit I've already forgotten. Like, <laughs> all right, like here, I got one for you. Um, the coolest thing about the Danos thing um, and, and the book signing, and I know it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of those that happen. And we're not going to talk about the book the entire time. Uh, we will talk about the game that was a week ago and what happens over the bye week. Uh, but the cool thing that I thought – uh, we we use the word organic too much right now, right? People eat organically. Uh, people eat organic foods. That's my house. Uh, or you want to organically make a relationship work. That's that bullshit meaning I don't want to commit too soon. I just sort of hope I can mess around for as long as I can and she don't realize <laughs> that I don't want to commit. Uh, but I'm going to use it this way. I thought it was the best way to hit a leadoff home run in Ricky Henderson style for you with the book coming out this week. To do it at Dano is a place that's that's very fitting to you, a place that's very comfortable for you. I think I compared it to um, old school rappers that would, you know, when they, they couldn't get a company, a record company to sell them or to be a part of them, they would basically go around and put their, you know, their mixtapes or their music in their trunk of their car. And they would drive around their neighborhood and give it out to their neighborhood or sell it to their neighborhoods. And that would tell them if they had it, if they had the ability to sell and they had something. And I thought it was just cool to see you in your element uh, and organically see the people that, that mean a lot to you, whether it be family, whether it be friends, whether it be old teachers um, that you didn't even have, that you just, because you wanted a Hoban girl so bad, they just show up because they feel bad for you now. Um, it was really cool. And to see your parents there, uh, you know, Miss Jackson is one of my favorite women in the world. And I got to tell you, Mr. October came through in the clutch like only Mr. October could. Reggie Jackson got more lines uh, than, than I had in my hair in the eighth grade. Uh, he's the best. He's going to get me to go down and check out Brody's team. We're going to vape together and get cussed out, yelling at the officials together, uh, as only a Jackson can. Uh, and we told a great story amongst ourselves that I don't even think I told you about. We were talking about your old car that bottomed out in Dublin. And I was talking about – and they were laughing about how on the podcast, I always call you out for how dirty your car is. And basically, Reg broke down that he could, he could drive back and forth from Columbus about five times with all the money and stupid shit he found in your car when he had to go get it. <laughs> 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 no one's surprised. I mean, the scout report uh, on me is pretty out there, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it is. It's Friday by week. I'm doing the podcast. I'm wearing sweatpants. I'm drinking a call. Like life's good. It's almost. It's nearly yeah. two in the afternoon. You know. It's, you know. I, you know what? I feel. I feel good because I. I have sweatpants on today as well. And my son looked at me, and it's funny. Um, I'll give the story, and then we can get into the podcast. So. Every day we take my daughter to the, the bus stop, and it's right outside our, our, our circle. And Bella said to my wife the other day, she goes, Mom, why do you wear your, your pajamas to the bus stop? And, and I, and I got to be careful. And, 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 right, and Jen was like, I'm just wearing sweatpants. She goes, I'm taking you to the bus stop. You want me to dress up? And Bella was like, well, sure. And then she's like, well, she goes, your dad wears sweatpants every day. She goes, that's just what dad wears. <laughs> <laughs> 
I looked at Bella, I gave her a pound, and I was like, hey, as long as you're good with it, we're good. <laughs> All right, yeah, so let's play a little American Fireworks Glory Days. So, as you know, uh, as you might know, speaking of the book release, so when I was younger, I got hired as an intern with the Browns and then got the chance to stick around full time. So, uh, I was going to Ohio U at the time, but I wasn't quite done. My mom threw a fit. She made me go to Akron. It was a waste of time. But anyway, long story short, so in the off season in the summer, I would take my classes at Akron. Well, I was living right. in Cleveland at the time. So one day it was, a, I want to say it was a Friday, but that doesn't sound right. Cause I'm not sure how to schedule Friday classes. But anyway, uh, I was at my parents' house in Akron, like in between classes. Right. And my dad comes in, he must've gotten off work early that day or something. And he sees me in sweatpants and he says, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm about to leave. I have another class. And he goes, you're wearing sweatpants in public. You have fucking given up. <laughs> <laughs> that's two decades ago. You still do. Yeah, and that was <laughs> nearly two decades ago. So that that's really scary. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, again, thanks for all the love on the book. Please keep posting. Please keep sharing and uh, buy it. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Let's talk a little Browns, Dre. Uh, i got a couple other things I want to talk about, but it's the bye week. Um, disappointing loss because they started out hot. They had a chance to win yeah. the game. You know, I think a lot of things were in their favor, but they just didn't get it done. And they start touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. They don't score again until the fourth quarter. They completely botch a game management situation late in the half. Uh, and an accurate yeah. pass gets picked, and then they go 88 or 89 yards in like six plays. Uh, the defense, which had three dominant games, has now turned into clunkers in a row. And there's just not a lot of consistency. Um, Nick Chubb has been consistently good. Jarvis Landry shows up and plays his ass off and makes plays every week, and the consistency is not there otherwise. So there's a bunch of concerns. Um, there is a lot of season left. The division is bad. I will say on the bright side, for glimpses last week, you saw the offensive talent on hands, the collection of it, right? Yeah. And it makes you think that if they can iron some things out, I guess I I could keep going, but that's probably what that maybe four or five weeks from now, they could really be clicking and they could run off some wins. But right now they're a long way from talking about the playoffs, playoffs, trying to win a game. Playoffs. (laughs) Well, let me, I'm, I'm doing so, as you said that, um, not to call you out, but you and I have had this conversation a lot. We've, you know, we've we've had two podcasts that didn't make it. You were on the air with me last night. I want to go back through the first six games. You said two dominant defensive games. The Jets game, yeah, against the fifth string quarterback that they wouldn't even let be the second string quarterback. And would you call the Rams game was pretty good? The Rams game was good. It was. <laughs> It was – I mean, I'm not trying to be that guy. And, like, I, I'm not. I just haven't seen anything great from the defense. And I, as I talked to you last night on the radio about – or on TV about – and I, I want to have this conversation on this podcast because I thought it was a good conversation and we didn't even plan it. I – to me, the best coaches are the – and I'm not talking about the head coach yet. We'll get to that. To me, the best coaches play to the talent that they have or what's given to them. Anybody can have a great scheme. And win with their scheme is great. The great coaches take whatever you have and they formulate it to work. Shanahan was talking this week about learning himself as an assistant coach. The toughest thing about being an NFL coach is being able to, to get the, the, the 15 to 16 players you have that week and you make your offense work around what you have, not what you want to do. 
I don't have anything against Steve Wilkes. I've never met him. It's not here for me to attack him. Did a decent enough job Carolina. But I can't stand that they're running this 4-2-5 defense. And I, to me, in my opinion, they don't have the guys to run it, Zach. So, and I'm not, I'm not going to do the, the horse shit thing that they do on the radio. Uh, or, you know, hey, is this pass or fail? That's, that's, that's weak. Um, but I do think there needs to be some tweaking towards how they go about the process of what they're doing, if that makes sense. I don't like it. I know you made some great points um, last night. Now you can say what you want here. Um, the Gerard Avery situation is odd to me. Um, I know that he's just a pass rusher. or you just We can put him in a box all we want. But I think in the NFL, when you have to get after the quarterback, you don't belittle those guys and put them to the side. Now, maybe it was because he came to camp out of shape. Um, I'm not going to get caught up in that thing. But I'm still – the Jets game doesn't matter to me because you basically could have played Cincinnati Moeller that night because they didn't have anything that, that scared you. Yeah, the Rams game was decent. They did enough. I think the Rams right now, um, everybody watched what Bill Belichick did to them in the Super Bowl. Uh, and golf has been god-awful. I just, I'm, not, I'm not trying to attack one comment you made, but the defense has just been eh to me because they don't make plays when they need to, and they're giving up 150 yards on the ground per game. It's like we're talking about the same team you wrote this book about. When you give up 150 yards on the ground game over six games, to me, that state, the defense does not take care of what it needs to take care of. No, um, and in San Francisco, they got beat by a Manchester offense, right? Right, um, right. Let me start. You know, they don't have any linebackers. So I don't know if this is on Wilkes or on the front office or on both. But Kirksey's hurt. Good point. Uh, Mac Wilson's playing, but he's not ready. And they're telling you that Taki Taki's not ready. You know, they signed right. one free agent, Adarius Taylor, who's who's a career backup. He's a special teams guy. Um, right. They got what's left of Morgan Burnett out there playing a strong safety combo. I mean, Jermaine Whitehead made one of the plays of the year, the forced fumble in Baltimore. And other than that, he's been either getting torched or getting penalties. So that is right. exactly. Yeah, and you just hit on it. If you're going to run that defense, the last two names you just said, They've got to be – and nothing against Burnett, because Burnett at one time out of Georgia Tech was, an, was a rangy, athletic, safety-slash-corner, right? He's no longer that great – and I'm not here to kill him. But if you're going to play 4 two, 5 you need those two guys you just said, you need those guys to be dogs. You need them to be unbelievable athletes. You need them to be able to put their nose in there against the run. And then you need them to be able to turn their back and chase down tight ends and be able to run guys down. Their tackling is so bad. Well, number one, because tackling isn't very good. But it's so bad because you, your people are running against your nickel-dime defense, and those little guys can't tackle these guys. Right. And they're getting blocked by bigger guys. So, like you said, maybe it's not Steve Wilkes. But I think there should be a long conversation. I know it's sexy to talk offense. We'll talk about the offensive problems. I don't think you can win a lot of games when you continue to give 150 yards. Because all, what do you think Belichick's going to do if you run out of 4 5 against him next week? He's going to run two power yeah. formations and run it straight ahead all day long. All day long. Tom Brady will throw for 150 yards and you'll lose 35 nothing. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that against great coaches. Well, look, I'm glad you brought up Jannard Avery. Uh, just let me say this. It's, it's surprising on two levels. One, in the summer, he was mixing in with the first and second group. There, there were some first group nickels where he was getting some run, and he was playing a lot with the second group. Now, there is a little bit of identity crisis where he's a linebacker by position, you know, he's a spot rusher right. in the NFL. He's not big enough to be an every-down defensive end. But he was playing no and showing some ability uh, at times in training camp in the preseason. I know he had a little bit of an injury, but he's been he's been a healthy scratch for all for at least four, maybe five of the games. Um, 
you know, the second thing there is he played special teams last year, and this year he's not playing special teams. So that right. uh, you just read that as he's been beat up. There's a new special teams coach, and he's been beaten out by better players, and therefore he's not getting on the field because they're dressing four defensive ends, and he's he's not there. So I don't know what's going on. I I, I don't know if there's something deeper, but also guys, we gotta we gotta realize like this, this is a fifth round pick. This is an undersized role player. He right. doesn't have a sure. you, you did see him make plays last year, but it's a different defense, and he doesn't have a role. So I, I I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. But let's not act like they're keeping Reggie White on the bench. They're keeping Gennard Avery <laughs> on the bench. They played him two positions all summer long. They've given him every chance. They have film of him playing on special teams, and he's not active. So I don't think that there's some grand conspiracy theory here. I just think that there is a consensus in the building that Gennard Avery is not one of the top 45 players. So if you guys think that's right. wrong, you might be right. I'm just laying it out there. Those are the facts. And I don't think he's been the, <laughs> the difference in winning and losing games. No, no, but when you're giving up 12 touchdowns in six games and only four interceptions, and yeah, you got nine sacks from, from, from the guy that gets smacked in downtown Cleveland, and I'm going to stay away from that story because I'm going to get in trouble if I talk about it. But the other guy that you traded for, and I'm not here to kill him, and, I, and like, and can we do something, please? Now, I know we don't do this, and this is why I appreciate this podcast, and I appreciate talking football with you, and I'm realizing suddenly – I can't do conversations about sports with half the people in this world anymore because we all nerd out because we can find a, a website that makes our, our case for us. But that doesn't mean you know what the hell you're talking about. Look, just because somebody grades you out, like the next time I hear somebody on the radio talk about what a player graded out at and the team gave up 180 yards on the ground, I'm going to say, hey, tell me how they graded that player. Stop telling me the grades you read off pro football, fantasy, fuck face, whatever you're going to to get your grades. What does that mean? Like, how do you know? Like, like, like when I hear like Olivier has not played well to me. I've watched, and I and, and, and like, and I watched the game. He's been okay, but when I got a defensive end that's going that's opposite, that's opposite one of the best physical specimens in football, I expect more play. Period. And maybe that and some people may not like that. Some people do, but that's just that's how I see football. It's just like John Dorsey talked about having Odell Beckham Jr. and what it's done for the backside tight end. What it's done for the backside. We've seen that, like, forget the numbers Beckham has put up. When you see that Chip has over 600 yards in six games, basically averaging 100 a pop. When you see the games that Jarvis Landry has had, when you see uh, the tight end that they signed off the side of the streets being one of your best receivers suddenly, that tells me the impact of Odell Beckham. Do what I, would I like his numbers to be better? Absolutely. Would I want more touchdowns? Absolutely. But he has had an impact, Zach, in the game, and I don't need a grade sheet from some, some .com, .com nerds that are, that are telling you that. And no offense to those guys because there is something to what they're doing, but it's not everything. On the other side, Olivier Vernon just not, hasn't given anything to me that I want from the other. And that's why Gerard Avery's name keeps coming up, I think, for, amongst the masses because we thought you were getting somebody that was going to give you a book into Miles Garrett, and I just haven't seen that yet. Does that make sense? Right, you know, you've seen a handful of splash plays. Other, other right, you haven't. Same with Sheldon Richardson. You've seen one splash play. Yes. Right? Right. Now, I will say, the reason you go get those guys, I mean, last year you're starting Trevon Cole. He wasn't in the league till two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But with the investment you made there, specifically breaking up your O-line to get Olivier Vernon, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have the film in front of me. Has he freed up Garrett for how many of those sacks? I don't know. I, I, I don't think you've seen him around the quarterback a whole bunch. Right. Right. I thought, right. you know, I can remember, let's see, one play early in the Jets game. I think he had a sack in the 
uh, last week, I think he had his first sack, right? He has yes, one. he did. Yeah. And, and I remember that first play, and I'll be honest, and I hate being this guy, and you you saw it quicker than everybody else did. He got blew up in the first play of the game against San Francisco by the fullback. Like like that was that that first that long run. He was the kick. He was the guy that was kicked out. I expect a guy like Miles Garrett to be running upfield out of control with his hair on fire, and not realize he's getting kicked out. And the play and the eighty six yard run isn't all on on Olivier Burns. When I have a veteran defensive end, you got to have a feel for that man. You got to have a feel for what they're trying to do against you, right? Like they they ran an influence play. They influenced like. And again, I'm not like I said. I have no offense to people that are on radio trying to do their job. I just can't stand when I hear people try to tell me, well, they graded out. I don't give a shit about a grade. When I can see a guy getting out of place, not being where he's supposed to be, running into a block, and I see a huge alley open up, as a, as a former player, I'm going, that's not I, – I can tell you, that's not what he was coached to do. And when you're a veteran, and like you said, a veteran that blew up that, – that opened up and changed our offensive line, Zach, I need that guy to blow that play up. I need him to fill that hole. Yes. He didn't do it. And to me, that has been the first six games of Olivier Vernon. Yes. Um, look, big picture, because we could beat this into the ground, and, and we all yeah. know that barring a miracle, they're going to be two and five, and we'll be analyzing them again here in ten days, right? Um, you know, big picture, three and three would have been fine at the bye week, regardless of which yeah. one you change around, right? Consider all the new pieces. Even if you take away one of the blowouts, which you obviously can't. You can't take away anything in this league. You're one game off from where you realistically should have been. Your offense has played one complete game, has had glimpses in others. Your defense has played two and a half complete games, right? You know you have to right. However, yes. However, most of the times in the NFL, you're going to miss shit by one game, right? Yeah. And when you look at the tackling issues and you look at 56.1% completion percentage, both those things have to change drastically to even get close to the eight, nine, ten. It's going to take to think you could be in the playoffs. Well, I I said this last night, and I'll go along with you. I still think they have a good chance to make the playoffs. Um, I, I think that, like you said, three and three was as good as I thought they could possibly be. I thought going into the season, nine wins would be the high mark. Eight and eight, nine and seven. I think that's where this division is at. They still have a chance to make a run. Um, some of the difficulties. I mean, we can talk about this and we can beat it over the head. And, I'm, and I like that we're doing this podcast on Friday and not Monday because a lot of the emotion can be cut out. Um, do they have to make some changes? Yes. Do they have to do some things differently? Yes. Am I surprised by how they've played through the first six games? In all honesty, no. When you hired Freddie Kitchen to be the head coach of a team like this, my expectation level, and when the schedule was what it is, my expectation level was kind of to see what we've seen. Now, have I been surprised that Baker Mayfield has not been um, as accurate as we've seen him in the past? Because let's, let's be honest, our whole conversation could be completely the same up to this moment. You run the football in against the Rams, it may be a different story. You, don't have the, you, you, you make a play or two or you catch a ball or two against Seattle. You could be, we could be sitting here talking about a 4-2 and two team that we both know isn't playing that well, Zach. Right? Sure. Sure. That tells you how talented they are and how close they are, but how hard this league is. Let me clarify that by saying one thing, okay? They've been blown out twice. And the first one's week True. one. And, and run down the whole league right now and find how many goofy week one results. Like five or six, right? Now that we're yeah. seeing games. But not, but not getting blown out. You're right. But not yeah. getting the doors blown out. But I'm but saying you're right. twice now, twice now they've been blown out. And in the San Francisco game, they didn't compete. They're down 28-3 
with a quarter and a half left, prime pat statting time, prime time in the NFL where games get yep. interesting, and they didn't even compete. Did not yep. even give You're any right. effort. So, yeah, um, concerns. And, you know, time to turn it around, glimpses of hope. Foxborough's not the place you get well. It's just not. No, it's not. And, no, it's not. I mean, that's and and that, nobody's, that's, you know, j- j- let's just do this here. No one's blaming. No one's saying Baker is solely to blame. But Dre, the numbers aren't lying at this point. Mm-hmm. And like Jameis and Mariota are at 58, 59 percent. So 56 right. is fucking terrible. It's awful. It's <laughs> yes. atrocious. It's atrocious. His footwork hasn't been that good. I don't know how long his hip's been bothering him. Uh, it, it obviously bothered him when he went down on the field against Seattle. Uh, and to be honest with you, I hope his hip has been bothering longer than, than what we know. Right. Uh, because the accuracy thing, and, and, and I'm sick of people and, and all the know-it-all saying, well, this guy should have caught this. Yeah, no kidding, they should have caught all of the balls. But also, he needs to lead receivers. When you're running a hard slant like the running back was running, I, I know he said he tried to put it behind him, but that, the, the defender wasn't that close. That is a bad pass, guys. And I'm, and I'm not here to, to beat up on Baker Mayfield. Yes, when you get in the NFL or in Pee Wee and you play for the Barberton Magic or Magics, whatever you want to call them, you got to catch that ball. But at the same time, a good coach will say to the quarterback, you got to lead your receivers. You got to put it on your receivers. And, when, and if it was just one pass, Zach, that was behind the receiver and bounced up in the air and got picked off, I go, okay, it's one pass, right? But when it's happened multiple times, it's Baker's fault. Let's, let's, let's just be – it's honest. It's okay. He's, he's human. And we're seeing that. It's so different. And I, and I kind of get it. I, the one thing that I'll say is that Baker has always been a quick study, a guy that gets rid of the ball. He reads the defense quickly, gets rid of it. I'll make an excuse for him. He's got this new shiny toy. He's got this Lamborghini that he's never had before. And they are showing defenses that I'm sure he's never seen before. I'm sure he's never seen a safety over the top. And I'm sure subconsciously you want to get the ball to the Lamborghini. You want to see how to, you want, you got a new toy, right? Right. And everybody, I don't care if you're, if you're my son's age or if you're Baker's age, or if you're my age, you get a new toy. You want to play with it. Even if you get a Lamborghini in the middle of Christmas in Cleveland and it's 10 degrees out and there's potholes everywhere and there's snow everywhere. You're still going to try to drive that Lamborghini, right? Cause you, cause you got it. Joe Hayden, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> and then your ribs end up getting beat up and bent. You can't realize why your bends, why your rims are bent. Well, because you shouldn't be driving a Lamborghini in December in Cleveland. <laughs> and to the person that I did that, they'll get it. Um, but that's what I like. I I think like, he, no one's going to admit it, but subconsciously you have this new toy, and they don't know how to use this new toy yet. And I think that plays into him holding the ball longer. It plays into him it, it, the throwing behind. It's his footwork, which could be lazy. His short passes, his, his footwork has not been as good as it was in the past. So to me, I don't worry about it because I've seen him do it in the past. Mm-hmm. He can throw those short passes. You know, what, it's not like we're going with Baker Mayfield. Oh my God, it's not like Charlie Fry per se, where you're like, ah, eh, that's about all Charlie's got. We know Baker has more than that, and so the expectations are yes, higher. You so have God, seen so, it. so we're allowed. Yes. So we're allowed to grade him differently because we know he's better than that. You have seen him do it. So so that makes it easy to say, look, he's not even to 20 games in. There's a whole bunch of new, right. like, let's not write him off, right? No. Um, but, yeah, but let me say let me say this about the offensive line real quick. If you, well, go ahead. Go. You go. I'm sorry. Go, and then I'll go to Well, it. I just want to, you know, um, there are growing pains. The teams have seen him on film, right? So uh, you, you bob and weave a little bit. Brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions early in his career. Um, you know who else did? Andy Dalton. 
<laughs> don't put, hey, you know, don't, why are you putting the red brick? I think that guy's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I think you just made your point. We don't talk about Cincinnati on this podcast unless we're talking about Cincinnati Muller. I don't, that, that team down, down west don't, don't count to me. Um, offensive line, and here's another one where stop reading the percentages that pro football focus tells you. The Browns are telling you by the offensive sets they get in, Zach, that they don't trust their offensive line. I've heard people going back and forth about Hollywood. And they, that tells you all you need to know. you got all these receivers, all this great talent. And we're right. sitting around having conversations and, and about Hollywood Higgins. Is Hollywood Higgins, right. <laughs> yes, yes. But I'll say this, and, and, and I've said this to you guys before, and this is a counseling session. You don't got to pay for this one. Eight fifty a month next year when we get this thing rolling. That's a joke. Um, the play calls that they call, Zach, and the formations that they call, Zach, I'm saying Zach's name because I don't want to call out the people that I really want to call out. They show you the play calls and how, who they're putting on the field shows you how much they don't trust the offensive line. So when you tell me against Seattle that, yeah, Baker wasn't hit, Baker didn't give up a sack, all that is great. But in reality, Hollywood didn't go on the field because the head coach and the offensive coordinator don't trust the offensive line to block with four wide receivers in the game. Now, yes, he could have played the, three, the third wide receiver position. That's, that's a whole different conversation. But what if they've used the double tight ends, two wide receivers, more than any team almost in the They've only used two sets in the last three weeks, Zach. So when I hear people say the offensive line is fine, no, it's not. They can only run a, a third of their offense. They, you don't see them in empty barely anymore. You don't, and when you did see them in empty, Baker almost lost his head. You don't see them running formations other teams in the NFL run. And to me, that is a sign of knowing that the offensive line can't block Right. For those types of situations, did did Freddie so unveil every at the formation grade. in the history of football last December? Thank right. Did yes. did Freddie throw out everything in the kitchen sink? No pun intended. Last year, because you could block for him, he's not doing that this year because you can't block. Right. And again, and not, uh, not, and not with the chart Freddie, in front of me uh, or any bullshit, but just looking, they're not even going down the field at all. And when they are, it's not even no. close. But last year, going right. down the field opened everything up. It's a real simple game yeah. when that stuff works, right? It really is. And we're not here to defend Freddie, but to me, that's the best case of defending Freddie that I can give because now it comes back to, hey, everybody can call plays when everything's set up right. It's hard to call plays when you got to protect your own, when you got to protect yourself from yourself. No doubt. And that's where, we, and we don't know if, and like, I know Freddie's been around, but this is tough, man. It's tough because I'm sure your playbook, I'm sure between him and Munkin, They've got all kinds of stuff that they have in the playbook. But if they're sitting there and they don't trust your two tackles, and you can't call you can't call a seven step. They can't they can't look themselves in the face and call a seven step drop and, and think everything is going to play out okay. They can't. They're quarterback because they know it can't be blocked. And what you saw from the general manager the other day when both the tackles were asked about, that's about that's about as mean as it gets to me. But it was the truth. They don't trust Greg Robinson, and I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't blame them either. Um, that's enough Browns. We got about ten minutes left here. Um, gotcha. That's all the battery <laughs> that's I got. Browns. I'm not at home because <laughs> uh, the damn thing won't work, right? Because uh, squirrels. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State plays a Friday night game tonight, and it's weird mm. and it's awkward. No one likes it, right? No. Um, you know, congrats, Jim Delaney. This is the world for. That you've signed up for, right? 
Um, it's I, I get the intent. It's a part of doing business. Uh, you know, it, it's the world we live in. Um, TV is boss. TV, you know, football on TV generates a lot of money for a lot of people. And you play on odd nights because that's what the gamblers want. And that's what the sponsors are willing to pay for. Um, yes. To, and no, can I, yeah. One thing. Friday night's one of the worst nights of TV ratings, though. Yeah. No. Right, no. You know, seriously. Like, that, like I, I know what you're saying. You're right. It's all built on TV. It's all about money. It's why, it's why Rutgers is in the Big Ten. It's why Maryland's in the Big Ten. Not because they love having the Terps. No, they wanted the Washington, D.C. TV area. They wanted the money from that area. Can't blame them. Yeah. Same with Rutgers. They wanted the New York TV. That, like, that's what that's about. It's not about bringing in Rutgers. And, no, it's about the TV. Right. And, and it's about the money that you can generate. You. It's done nothing it's for you. It's done nothing for you. So, right. Um, but this Friday football night thing, I just don't. Yeah. And, and look, I'm not, you know, well, I don't I, buy it. I guess my take on it is this. Okay, supposedly the Big Ten has it set up. It's contracted for X number of games, and everybody has right. to do their turn. So it just so happened that Ohio State be playing in Chicago on a Friday night. Well, probably nobody can get to Evanston on time. I can only imagine what kind of disaster <laughs> that would be. But secondly, like you have to think about how Ohio State is different than everyone else, and you have to say that we're not going to do it, right? It's just it's, it's right. simple, common things. Um, right. The other thing coming out of that game where everyone had noticed, and Northwestern is god-awful is the, you know, the fabricated tweet where they acted like the grass has grown nine inches high and then the stories of the game six years yeah. ago where the grass was high. And I yeah. get it. You know, uh, it's the same for both teams, but if you're a four-yard plotting team, maybe that. So this is my American Fireworks glory days. American Fireworks, open 24-7, 365. Oh. AmericanFireworks.com. They're right over in Hudson. They're good to us, and they'll be good to you if they if you tell them A to Z sent you. Anyway, um, a favorite football story of mine. Uh, going back, shoot, at least 15 years. Uh, you and I are going to go see the Bookdale Griffs play your alma mater tomorrow. Well, yeah, Bookdale Griffs used to have some bad, bad dudes. Some of them, a lot of them that played on TV. They were coached by Claude Brown, who went to the clink. <laughs> it's been a little tough for, for the Griffs. But uh, without getting uh, into demographics, they were a track meet team. And they played Walsh Jesuit one year, who was good for a long, long time. And when you think of Walsh, what do you think of fullback? I can think of two Walsh fullbacks minimum that played college football. Tommy Lopez yep. was in the league for a number of years. Uh, Big tackles right at you. Power football, right? Yes, 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 yes. So is it, obviously, um, is it went, the urban legend went that when, when Walsh would host these kind of teams that they would grow the grass like this, right? Oh yeah. Well, they the reality, did it to me. this story is so good that the week of the Bookdale game, the sprinklers broke at Walsh and this was early in right. the year and they were kind of panicking about it because they needed to water the field. And so on Tuesday they didn't work, and on Wednesday they didn't work, and on Wednesday and Thursday they had somebody come out, and they couldn't figure out. And they tried, and they reset the system, and they had the supervisor come out, and, and they just wouldn't work. So they just said, well, we're just, we're just going to have to hope for the best. So Friday about 5 o'clock, Bookdale showed up, walked out on the field, going through the paces and all of a sudden I don't know where the sprinklers start working. <laughs> and both of them, what are we doing? We're here, you're rubbing this in our face and Walsh said, No, we swear. Right. We swear they didn't work all week. Uh, that's where somebody that works for Walsh was in the back going, Our Father, Lord in heaven. <laughs> I mean, is that an all time story or what? Uh, this is a classic. It is good and it's true. You get real things here. That is a true, true statement. And those matchups used to be better than anything you'll see. To, uh, better than anything you'll see from Evanston tonight. 
with uh, with Ohio State. And North oh, Carolina. Northwestern is what pathetic. Yes, they are. They are. So they are. Pathetic. You still in what? You got five minutes left now? Yeah. Yep. All right. Let me get to our obscure Browns player of the week brought to you by Cleveland Whiskey, a great place to go. Check them out on their website. Check them out. They'll give you great. They, you can go to the company. They'll take you around and show you how they make the whiskey. It's in Cleveland. Great company. We love them. They made a great whiskey blend for the Rector Connect uh, uh, Foundation as well last year. I'm sure we'll have some of that at our event coming up on November 16th, where we'll have all kinds of celebrity bartenders, Zach included. And Zach, I may have one of your favorite people, UJ W Fox Eight bartending as well. We'll stay uh, keep that mm. offline for now. No. Mm. Remember the question I had to ask you the other night? Oh, mm. All right, my obscure player. <laughs> Of the week. It's not good when I'm laughing at my own jokes for anybody else. Um, <laughs> but it happens The new a lot. book this week. <laughs> yeah, it does. I learned from you. A <laughs> hundred things Browns fans should know and do before they die. guy named Zach Jackson wrote the book, and I'm going into it. And I'm going to Chapter 9. I name all you young fellows that go around, to, uh, go around saying you're big Browns fans and you know it all. Here's a name you need to know, and I hope you know it. And you should know it well, because I think this guy changed the history of the Cleveland Browns. His name, Ryan Taylor. He was a linebacker, probably on the scout team. Barely, I think he played four games. I got to go find the book. He played like five, he played a handful of games. But his name and why he is important to the Browns' uh, future or to the past is because he was the guy, and Zach can tell the story better than I can, and he tells it well in this book. But Ryan Taylor is a significant part of team history because Tim Couch was throwing a pass during practice. I'll never forget this day. And when his right hand hit Taylor's arm, Couch was basically out for the rest of the season. And to be honest, in my opinion, Zach, and I haven't talked to Tim about this, I don't think Tim Couch's throwing arm was ever the same after the injury that occurred after Ryan Taylor hit his arm throwing a ball. It led to Super Bowl winning coach Doug Peterson having to play for the Browns. Mm-hmm. It led to Dark that Wildcat game. Uh, was it Kevin Johnson Chris- or Dimmons? Yeah. Was it, was it, was Northcutt had to take Northcutt and right? Kevin yeah. Johnson played quarterback that day. Yeah. That's right. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was the first, it was the first of a few really bad, uh, strokes of injury luck for Tim Couch. Um, you know, he is, he was trying to build something. Obviously the more significant one was when he had won those games in 02 and had the, the broken leg, but it was at a time when Tim Couch needed to play and needed to learn. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it just it, it was one of those tone setting things, right? One of those uh, right. clouds hovering over Berea type things. Hey, really, Ryan until Taylor Baker, a... May- really, really until Baker Mayfield took over his quarterback last year about this time. Yes, I so... say that because the quarterback position has had that cloud over it from that day forward. I wish we had the date, and that's why I picked Ryan Taylor. It was about to October me. 2000. I can tell. I don't have the exact right. date. But it was about October. I totally agree with you. Yeah. It was almost 19 years ago to the day, give or take a couple days. And I feel like the cloud of the quarterback position with the Browns has been there until Baker Mayfield about a year ago came in and played like Baker Mayfield. Now, in saying that, we just started this podcast talking about him throwing at 50%. So <laughs> maybe the cloud is back. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, hope everybody enjoys the bye weekend. We'll be back with two podcasts next week, counting down in New England. Uh, the NBA starts next week, so we're going to dive into that yeah. a little bit. We'll have Buckeyes game to talk about. Uh, I will see you tomorrow over there at 1040 Copley Road, right, Jay? Yeah, I'm, that's the plan that I have. Yes, sir. We didn't get into Pat Mahomes. That's going to be a weird injury. Uh, and for all those people that are killing uh, the big coach for quarterback sneaking, 
I watch Tom Brady sneak all the time at 50 years old. It's a part of the game, people. Don't blame the coach for a player getting hurt. And just, just playing football. Zach may disagree with me, but hey, it's a football play. But the thing is about the quarterback sneak, it's never practiced in practice. Think about that. Yeah, you, never, just, you can't it, practice well, that just play. It's proof of if, that any play in the NFL involves a collision involving severely overgrown exactly. people. Right. And, yep, there you go. Um, Pat Mahomes, who's about to become the richest player in NFL history uh, and is the franchise, you know, you have to wonder if, if it'll ever happen again or for a long time. True. Right? True. That, true, that is true. interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about that and more. Uh, by the book, thanks for listening. See you at American Fireworks this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Good you, Danos. Hey, tell them where you'll be Tuesday. I don't know. What's Tuesday? You've got <laughs> Wednesday. A book signing, don't you fool? Wednesday, Wednesday. book signing. Tuesday, Wednesday. Falls. We'll talk about it early next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>